Ah, yes, friends. On a Thursday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast, where, of course, I'm Adam Armbrecht covering the New York Football Giants and also the Locked On Nets co-host with my buddy Doug Norrie. Over there, Andy Makowitz, the healthy, wealthy, and wise generational season ticket holder for your New York Football Giants. Excited to get back into what should be a very intriguing matchup with the L.A. Rams in week number six for big blue yeah adam i i think all giant fans would yeah i think giant fans would love to take the cowboys game throw it over our shoulder and start looking for the positives in the upcoming game and then you see that the four and one la rams are coming to town and it's very difficult for giant fans to, to all of a sudden see the positives in the game but i think at the very least it's starting to feel like fall, right? There's apple picking, there's pumpkin picking. At least you could do something on a Saturday or before the game on a Sunday, right? Well, that's it, folks. Andy Makowitz has officially declared the New York football giant season over. He's moved into apple picking season, and he'll be spending his Sundays out on the farm. I, By the way, I am going to the cabin. Uh, I'll be at the cabin this weekend with Courtney to get some fall weather as well. So, yeah, it, it is nice, man, the season to be out there and kind of enjoying that cool, crisp day has been a little bit warmer. So take what you can get, I guess, and uh, build out around the Rams matchup, potentially. Give yourself some happiness and joy just in case, just in case it doesn't go the way you're hoping for it to. Uh, we're going to get into the Rams matchup. We're going to kind of use the Cowboys game. Not too much because Andy's right. You'd like to crumple that thing up and throw it in the wastebasket. But there are some some carryover uh, opportunities there as far as what we saw. And you're going to face a, a similar dynamic offense, as we know. And obviously an even more dangerous defense, at least from a personnel standpoint and track record. I think um, Aaron Donald. I don't know a lot about him, but I've heard good things. Uh, but before we do couple of things to get to updates around injuries daniel jones uh, obviously the more recent ones and then saquon barkley and kenny galladay right um unfortunately Darius williams probably the most brutal of the injuries just from a standpoint of we will not be seeing him for quite some time do you think now as we get into this injury report we want to get your expectations on it are you surprised i should have said that sterling shepherd and darius slayton because they're the ones that missed the last game last two games they're still questionable. It's still in doubt about whether or not they're going to be able to participate. I want to get to the more recent injuries, but I, I was kind of foregone conclusion territory that at least one, if not both of them were going to be playing this week because we kind of thought one of them could have been back on the field this past game against Dallas. Yeah. I mean, the wide receiving core is obviously interesting because of the emergence of Kadarius Tony uh, last week, really, you know, coming into his own, you have Kenny Galladay who, uh, who, And, and Shepard's still going through it. But again, also, I think it's probably a little bit of gamesmanship on the Giants' part um, in, in terms of will they play, won't they play. It doesn't really give anyone a benefit to say that, you know, both of them will be out there uh, and, and give the Rams more insight and information into, into what you're game planning for. Um, but, I mean, r- regardless of what uh, wide receivers are going to be on the field, I think it's pretty clear that, um, you know, based on the snap counts from last week, looking at Kadarius Toney, Kadarius Toney needs to be in every day, every play, wide receiver for the Giants moving forward, right? He's the number one wide out. I told you that. I told you this this is now, this will be the third week that I've explained this to everybody. He's the number one wide receiver on the New York football Giants. And I'll save the 
offseason takes where we had our concerns and questions around signing Kenny Galladay given his injury history. But here we are, right? And he is clearly dynamic. He clearly opens up the offense in a different way. And whether you want to put John Ross into that mix, just as far as who you want to utilize the most in the wide receiving course, Sterling Shepard, if healthy, right? You've clearly seen now with the sample size from Kadarius Toney that the most effective way to at least facilitate the offense and create opportunities for everyone is by having some of these players that, I mean, surprise, surprise, by modern NFL standards are good in tight spaces, can create after the catch, right? Like, seems like that's kind of been a theme around the NFL over the last handful of seasons, and the Giants are maybe now, with Kadarius Tony giving themselves an opportunity to start to build in that direction. The question a- then Adam, becomes... Yeah, go ahead. A- yeah, my, my, my qu- I, have a, I have a question I'll, I'll force over to you, and, and that's last week we had no Sterling Shepard, no Darius Slayton. Kenny Galladay goes out early. Mm-hmm. And while Kadarius Tony had an amazing, amazing game, Kadarius Tony only played 54% of the offensive snaps. Like yeah. he did all of that damage playing just about half of the Giants offensive snaps. Like is that number? What's the word that comes to mind when, when I, when I say that to you, is it surprising? Is it exciting? Is it dumbfounding? Like what is, what does it say that Tony's only playing half the snaps, even with half of our wide receiver roster on the shelf. No, it's just exciting because I'm not going to, again, you saw points in that game. We talked about it, you know, coming out of the Dallas loss. He, he was, he was burnt out at a certain point, right? There's a difference between playing 54% of the snaps and having, having four catches for 60 yards and saying, boy, if he played 80% of the snaps, what could he have done? The guy had, as we mentioned, a top 10 all time, wide receiving yardage performance in New York football giants history. They were using him extensively in the 54% of the snaps that he was on the field for the ball was going to him. Right. So he was getting used a ton. I, I think that that's just a product of saying like, you know, guys need breathers. We know that you need reps off. And at that point of the game too, knowing the injuries that had gone on there, I think there was, you have to, you can also take a look at it and say, if we thought that we had a chance to win that game, if Daniel Jones was still in it, then you you probably would have seen some different percentages from him because it would have been saying, hey, let's let's feed the cow here. He's going to go ahead and take us home in this one. There wasn't necessarily a need to overuse him in that game, especially when he also had that minor ankle tweak that he came out of the game with as well. So I think you're you're doing a balancing act there as far as not ending up getting another player hurt in that game, you know, and one where it seemed like the injury injury gods were clearly against the giants. You didn't want to end up adding something on like that. It's a long season. You want to get the most out of them. So uh, no, I'm fine with that. And it, and it should be exciting because I think you can get him up to playing 70, 80% of the reps as you move along this season and know that when he's on the field, it's going to be incredibly valuable. Yeah, Adam, I, I think that's a good take on Kadarius Tony. Uh, obviously, to your point, game script also dictates a lot of, a lot of that, as you mentioned. Um, speaking of, of reps and, and getting into action, is there any other uh, players from last week or anything that you want to focus on that maybe needs to be brought into this week versus the Rams? Well, I do like the idea of just to update the other major injury would be Daniel Jones, right? And and he came out of that brutal concussion. He was in the protocol, but looked like, you know, the, the early indications in the week were they kept saying on track. Um, delightful little moment uh, with Joe Judge with the media when he was asked. And they just Hilarious. say, you know, he said, yeah, watching film, you know, doing the study. He's in there. We're, you, know, you know, that's where he'll be focusing. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And then was basically the follow up was he's walking um, on the field right now in full pads. And Joe Judge just gave a for anyone on YouTube, the little look out over in the distance, little smirk, and then just kind of moved on. So 
Um, you know, we all like and we all like Joe Judge in theory, but uh, the good news is he is tapped in. He is ear to the streets as far as the condition of his players and what their status is going to be going into the Rams game. Oh, it, it, it reminded me of like Will Farrell, like or, or Vince Vaughn being like, this this exact toaster, like this exact one right here, <laughs> this model. Are you sure? Like, no, this exact one, Joe. Yeah, Joe Judge, this this exact one. Uh yeah, it, it was pretty funny. There's a five-step process to be able to, to get through uh, concussion protocol. Da- Joe Judge said that he wasn't even like in step one or two, but running around in pads is like step three or four. So like I think the Giants are are trying to make sure that they don't move too far ahead into the process. But all indications are that he's potentially going to look good to be able to, to, to play this weekend against the Rams. And similarly, uh, good news around Andrew Thomas. It seems like um, you know, early indications are that he's expected to be able to be out there to play, which is a huge boost for that offensive line, um, which uh, while they, they bend and did not break uh, last week, there were some takeaways that I know that you wanted to talk about from, from the Cowboys game. Yeah, if um, Andrew Thomas is 100% ready and healthy to go, obviously you want him to be out there to take on the Rams and help protect potentially Daniel Jones, if we anticipate that as well. And then Matt Pert needs to be playing. Like, I mean, that's it. Uh, you know, whatever it was, a mental hiccup, having a hard time, getting, you know, getting coordinated at the start of the season. I, you know, young player, not dissimilar to what happened with Andrew Thomas last year. There's going to be growing pains. Obviously, I think it's easier to look at a third round pick and say, well, if it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out, unlike when you take Andrew Thomas high in the draft, you're going to give him all the leeway to get there. Matt Pert had a great PFF grade coming out of that game. Use it by whatever metric you want, near 70. Nate Solder, and again, it's not on him, forced to then go play uh, left tackle for the Giants this past week, did not play well. And he hasn't been playing well this year. And again, this isn't me. I'm not going back to that well of beating up Nate Solder. He's a 33-year-old veteran, clearly diminished offensive lineman, that at best should be sitting there as a backup and veteran presence in the locker room. Matt Pert needs to be starting this game, whatever it looks like. He needs to be starting the rest of the season because either he's going to be a part of this offensive line or he's not. And we had mentioned prior about Isaiah Wilson and what the expectations will be there going forward, but got to confirm this. And if, again, if it was knocking out some cobwebs or some jitters, you know, a little bit of the yips for Matt Pert early in the season, he at least looked serviceable and capable of being an upgrade over Nate Solder going against the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to unpack that for a second because you, you sure. watch some of the game tape and you watch the pass rush, and yes, Nate Solder looked overwhelmed and overmatched like he has pretty much the entire season. Yeah. And, you know, w- what we've said is in training camp, they liked what they saw from Nate Solder more than what they they saw from Matt Pert. And the, the, well, they, they liked what they saw from Matt Pert less than what they, they saw well, from Nate Solder. I think that's right. The lesser of two evils, is that is that how we want to describe exactly. it? Exactly. But, but Adam, that, that kind of circles me around to this point. You're like the cobwebs, like yips, whatever it was. How could Nate Solder, looking like what he has been, earn the starting job over Matt Pert? And then you see Matt Pert out there, and you, and you see that he's like, yeah, like he at least looks competent enough. Like, w- what is the reason why Matt Pert hasn't been out there? Because I can't, I can't figure it out. Like, I came into this year being like, you know, Nate Solder is going to have a role on this team. And he has, albeit not very great for, for the Giants. But it speaks more about like Matt Perry, like what's been going on with him? It's been interesting that we've both been right on that, right? You thought that Nate Solder was going to have a role on this team. I disagreed. Um, I thought that Nate Solder would be a disaster, and he has been. So it's nice. You know, we both get to be right, and neither one of us gets to feel really good about it. Um, I, again, so, but I think here's what I would say is, 
remember, they bring in another offensive offensive line guru, another guy to help fix, you know, fix and work with some of the technique on the young guys. And if you're in the offseason and you're talking about, yeah, remember last year, Colombo and switching out and some players looked good. You're in this rotational unit. If you start maybe talking and working on technique with young players, there is a world where over the course of training camp you go, hey, here's something new that you need to develop and work on, and we don't know what that timeline is going to look like. And in theory, if I'm going to throw someone out there to look bad, it's going to be the veteran tackle that doesn't have a long-term future with the team, not the young player that if we do, we may end up saying, boy, we broke this kid, right? Like we threw him out there and he just could not get over these, these hiccups and Again, protecting Daniel Jones as well. As we said, Nate Solder hasn't been good, but you can point to a couple of instances where at least Nate Solder grabbed the guy and took a holding penalty or did what was necessary to not have Daniel Jones get totally slaughtered back there. So that would be my, that would be my thinking, is that he's a young player, you're developing him, and you don't want to break him before you have a chance to see what he can be for you. Yeah, I mean, my only explanation is that Nate Solder was a veteran and, and Matt Pert was struggling to really find his legs in the preseason. They said, let's just put Solder out there. But at, the, at this point, the Giants are one and four. It is about the talent evaluation. We know Nate Solder is not a long-term solution on this team. You, you do have to see what's going on with Matt Pert, especially after he played, you know, relatively well, you know, in, in the Cowboys, albeit, you know, uh, interesting situation being down so many points. Well, what, let's focus a little bit more on this upcoming Sunday. The Giants have the Los Angeles Rams coming to town. Um, what's your what's the first reaction when I tell you that the Rams are coming to play the Giants? Well, I mean, listen, off of the off the game against Dallas, it's concerning, right? It, it's a it's a difficult matchup. You're talking about Matt Stafford and getting out of Detroit and being surrounded with a talented team and a good coach and all that stuff, and you go, yeah. This is a guy that everyone thought was capable of being an MVP caliber quarterback in this league. It was just circumstances about where he was, right? If you put him on any on any other, you know, 70% of the teams in the league, if he was drafted somewhere else, boy, you'd feel a lot differently about where his career could have been, right? Put him on the, on the Green Bay Packers in the same division for his entire career. I, it would have looked a lot different. You could have been talking about him in NFC championship game. So uh, it's a dangerous collection of weapons. We know that, right? They have complimentary running backs. We've seen Henderson get a little bit dinged up, but then they went out and got Sony Michelle to make sure they had a valuable backup there. And he's good in the receiving game. So, uh, you know, the game script I think is going to be similar in the sense of this is a team that's explosive offensively. Are you going to be able to do anything on the defensive side of the ball? And there's some things I want to get to on that, but I mean, is that read for you kind of the same way of, I don't know, listen, injury injuries or not, but is this another 44 to 20 kind of game for the Giants if this defense cannot figure something out here that to this point they have not been able to? Matt Stafford is second in the league in total QBR behind Patrick Mahomes and ahead of Kyler Murray. So That's like if, if that gives you any indication of, of what has happened, you know, with the addition of Matt Stafford, they, they were already great with Jared Goff, and he was, you know, nothing disparaging him. Quarterback, yeah. Yes, but, you know, he's now 29th in total QBR with the Detroit Lions. And when you flip-flopped them last year, Stafford was number 12 or something like that in total QBR on the Detroit Lions. So you could see the disparity once we, once we just trade positions here. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to look and say, all right, that, you know, clearly he's the engine on that offense. And now the Rams are averaging 28 points a game and they're eighth in the league. They have a dynamic offense. It does not get any easier for, for the Giants here. 
you know, when we look at what's ahead of us, Dallas's offense, great. They're top five. They're, they're excellent. The Rams come into town. It's going to be much more of the same where you have an elite top five to 10 quarterback in the league with weapons all over the place that the Giants haven't been able to defend against so far this season. Now, the interesting thing is we're talking about there's something I want to touch back from that Cowboys game on the defensive side in terms of how they may approach this. Now, when you look at Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard, and then you say Henderson and Michelle, obviously not as difficult as a matchup in that ground game or the ground game slash receiving out of the backfield, right? You feel like it's at least (laughs) it's a better matchup. Doesn't mean it'll make it a, a good one. But in that last game, one of the things they talked about was that the Giants played, uh, at least to start, started out in what they're referring to as a 2-4-5 defense, where you only had Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence as down linemen. Then you had Carter Ojolari off the edge, and then Reggie Ragland and Tay Crowder as inside linebackers. So, you know, the Giants are a 3-4 scheme, at least initially. But I find it interesting that they kind of went with like this will pop to my mind that I, I want to get your, your take on. And if you think they'll carry it over into this Rams game, given the sample size, um, they kind of went with a shell defense in the front seven, the way that they've done it in the secondary, right? We're going to have our bodies here. We want them all to kind of be in position to make plays, but we're not going to try to force the issue on the offense. And if that idea was, we know Dak Prescott and all these talented weapons are going to, are going to get chunks on us. So let's try to mitigate that. Boy, if you try to use that same method here against the Rams, I feel like you're going to be looking at some similar results where you're like, yeah, great. Yeah. Five, six yards in the run game. Awesome. You know, per play. Great. Passing yards when you want them, you know, take it over the top when you get the chance. Like Patrick Graham seems to be trying different things, but it obviously has not been effective. I mean, Adam, he, here's here's the chip. There's a, a whole host of challenges for the defensive side of the ball for us. And, and it's interesting. At least they're trying up different, uh, you know, formations and, and different try. players out there. You, you got to do something because it's not working. What I will say is I think one, one of the biggest challenges we have is that we talk about being a hog molly team, yet we don't have. Yeah, hogless is a good way, way to describe it. Uh, on on the defensive side of the ball, one one of our calling cards has been being able to stop the run. We're 27th in the league in rushing yards against per game at almost 138 yards per game. Not ideal. No, it's it, it's not ideal. I mean, you, you couple that with the the points per game that that, that are going on. The Giants are are at the bottom piece of that as well. It's it's not very good. I don't. I think the challenge is this: the Giants don't have an identity right now on defense and and we did previously danny shelton has been terrible like we we can just call a spade a spade the reason why they're trying these formations is because danny shelton is in there and he's not stop the run the giant like 50 percent more effective 75 percent more effective when he's not on the field than when he is on the field and not having him creates a challenge for the giants because it's like if we don't have him we were banking on him to be there to help stop the run what are we we, we don't have a pass rush and we can't stop the run. So what are we on defense? Yeah, it was supposed to be this idea of, listen, it was Danny Shelton going to be Dalvin Tomlinson? No, but you were going to provide some replacement value there. Now he, he rep- provides you diminished returns. So then Austin Johnson's value also gets diminished because you don't have the like for like replacement of what you lost from last season to this one. And then we can throw in, obviously we know the Blake Martinez injury, right? That just throws a wrench in this too. But, but what's happening up front is supposed to be the starting point 
of what the defense wants to do and how they want to be effective and how guys like Blake Martinez went healthy, Tay Crowder now, Reggie Ragland, Ojalari, Carter, right? Like everything comes off of what's happening there in the front line. And when you're giving up big chunk plays and massive rushing yards in every game, it just, it, it sets a bad tone and it makes every other element of the defense start to struggle, start to play on their heels. And then we, you know, or fans start to get these expectations of like, well, now the secondary needs to step up and make a play and we can get into the deficiencies there as well. But it's like, yeah, but you know, everything has to work together the same way you talk about in all three phases. There's also the phases of the defense, the phases of the offense, right? Got to be strong in the run on offense. If you want to be able to work the pass defensively, you got to stop something first so that you start to dictate some of the tempo. And the Giants haven't been able to do that yet. And one of the, the things, too, I think a carryover again because of the similarities of what they're going to face here. We talk about how some of these, these defensive players have looked this year. Just coming off of last week alone, you know, Logan Ryan came out with a terrible PFF grade out of this Dallas Cowboys game. Ojalari didn't look particularly good. Radarius Williams got hurt. Ocean Eximenez continues to fall down the list here when you talk about what he's been giving you, but so is Xavier McKinney. And the funny thing is uh, Julian Love came out with a great PFF grade from this game. The problem being is that the highest component when you break it down around run defense, pass, you know, pass defense, tackling all those things really where the big bolster came from was tackling. So what does that mean? He got right. there after the play got made and he made a good, ta- he secured the play. Okay. But he's also there at the end of it. And it's not, you know, this isn't on him or on any one particular player, but you're not getting the quality necessarily, especially in that secondary. And again, all these things work together, but you're not getting those quality performances. And it's interesting to think about there's one player I do want to touch on here in a minute, but about guys that are having maybe good individual performances, but it's not benefiting the defense overall and getting stops, making big plays, and everyone's not doing it at the same time. So, I want to say one more thing about the Rams offense versus the Giants defense. And, yeah. and, and here, here's where I struggle, and, and I don't even have an answer right now, and I think Patrick Graham is probably in the same boat. The Giants are 28th in the league in sacks per game. They're .2 off of being last in the league next with Kansas City. So they're like marginally better than the last team in the league in getting sacks. They are bottom six in rushing yards against per game. So you're not getting to the quarterback. You're not stopping the run. We have 13 and a half, 14 million t- tied up in a Dory Jackson. We've got 15 million in Bradbury. We've got 10 to 11 million in Logan Ryan. We just invested in Xavier McKinney. We still have Drew Bill Peppers. It's like we have all these players and we should be able to either stop the run, rush, p- rush the pass rusher, or stack the box and say a Dory Jackson, James Bradbury, you should be able to handle wide receivers out there one-on-one. Like there has to be something that we can say our best players are these Something things. Something has to be working, right? But like, like <laughs> if you're going to get beat, how do you want to, how do you want, like you want to go down with the ship on like your best foot forward. Like it, it, do, do you leave Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in, in single coverage against the Dory Jackson and Bradbury stack the box and say Henderson beat us? I, I don't know the answer, but the problem that the Giants have is that they literally do one thing on offense really well that you could say, you cannot beat us in this, so we know you'll have to go do that, right? Well, and that's but and that's what the problem is, right? Because again, now you're going to come into this game and you're going to say, "What are you more concerned about, 
Cooper Cup and Woods in the receiving core and, you know, even throwing Higby at tight end, right? Or are you more concerned about Henderson and Sony Michelle? No, you're more concerned about the receivers. So you're going to set up your defensive scheme to try to basically mitigate the run, but really focus on not letting up the big plays in the pass game, which means you're not necessarily going to be as aggressive as you could be on the defensive side of the ball. And Again, coming out of last week, when you see that Lorenzo Carter had a pretty good game, by the way, a theme through these PFF grades is the highest, you know, subcategory of almost everybody that had a decent game is the tackling, which I mean, listen, tackling is important, obviously, but again, it's kind of that late to the party versus being there ahead of schedule and making an impact play. The guy I want to point to, we talk about what do the Giants want to try to do differently. Quincy Roach did get onto the field for the New York football Giants this past week. Only saw uh, 11 total snaps, it looks like here. I had said coming into it that the Giants should be using him. I, I wanted to see him out-snap O'Shane Eximenez. He did not, 32-11, to 11, so it didn't happen yet. But I will tell you, this is the starting point. Quincy Roach is not a freakish sideline-to-sideline -side athlete. That's what we knew coming in. But he is a bigger body. And if we think about the fact that Danny Shelton has not been as effective as you want, if you're going to go into this Rams game and say, let's try to mitigate this run and then protect ourselves against those big explosive plays from Matthew Stafford, I think that Quincy Roach would be the guy you want in there because Ocean Eximenez is supposed to be getting after the quarterback with his opportunities. He hasn't been. So give me bigger bodies. Give me guys that can push around the offensive line, that can stymie the run game and hopefully give us an opportunity to be effective defensively and keep the Rams under, I don't know, you know what I mean? <laughs> under 35, you know, but whatever it is, but you want to try to keep them down from scoring. You have to reduce the number of series they get. You have to get them on some three and outs, get them into some third and alongs and allow the secondary to be effective. So he's one of the guys that I am looking at to continue to see those reps come up because as we know, Oshane Eximenez is clearly on his way out. Quincy Roach now has every opportunity maybe to be able to be a contributor for this defense. Well, we already know on the offensive side of the ball, Adam, Kenny Galladay is going to be out for the Giants. We That's don't right. Know, we, do, we already know that Saquon Barkley is going to be out for the Giants on offense. Correct. Um, we don't know the health of Daniel Jones, but we expect him to be in the lineup as well as Question either. For you, sorry, real quick. Do you, do you think you mentioned the game has been shipped at the top around, around uh, you know, Joe Judge saying, oh, no, he's in, the, he's in there studying film. He's a ways away. Then he's out there on the field in pads. Do you think that that is gamesmanship trying to present that Daniel Jones is going to play this game when in reality he has a very, very, very small chance to be out there for them? And this is, let's try to have you prepare for him because once Glennon steps out to take snap number one, we all know where the game script goes. I think it's actually the opposite, Adam. So what I think Joe Judge is doing is, is two things. One is he wants to show that they take the per concussion protocol very seriously. Like Daniel Jones is out there like, I'm fine, guys. Like uh, I think Logan Ryan or someone, someone on the defense said that Daniel Jones was reading a book on the plane ride home, which like if you had a concussion, like bright lights and like reading and focusing is not what you want to be doing on the plane ride home, right? Just two follow-ups. One, was he reading it? right side up and not backwards and was it you know worthering was a picture book or was it yes green eggs and ham because we don't right. know for sure i hope it was the art of war but i, I <laughs> i'm not i I, ha I don't have it confirmed yet but but i what i think is the, the giants want to show that they're taking concussion protocol very seriously because right. if the giants were like yep he's through all five stages of, of it the nfl would be like that's not how this works you need to do better so we want to want to show that we're taking the necessary steps to to avoid player safety concerns. The second piece is there's no direct benefit to telling the Rams that Daniel Jones will be out there. You may as well have them game plan. And even if they spend 
five minutes looking over Mike Glennon game film. It's five minutes less that they have to they have to be able to focus on Daniel Jones. That, no, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, all right. So, anyway, and listen, it doesn't matter anyway as far from a Giants standpoint, Giants fan standpoint. If Daniel Jones doesn't play, you know that it's going to be a, a next to impossible game versus yes. if, you know, if it ends up being Glennon, we, we all understand what that means. So, no, but oh, sorry, but to your point about on the offensive side, um, w- with no Saquon Barkley, with no Kenny Galladay, I'm assuming the direction you were going to take it was w- w- how do the Giants approach this offense and maybe specifically. Let's start in the running back room, right? Because Devontae Booker, the high-priced insurance policy, this is what he's there for. Um, I'm not going to knock what his game looked like last week when you talk about it being underneath three yards per carry because that's what Saquon Barkley was doing. Like, this is about the offensive line play and opening up opportunities. What do you anticipate? Because I actually have an interesting thought around what the Giants will do as far as generating some rushing attack and yards out of that facet of the offense. I. I think this this is a very big challenge for the Giants coming up against the Rams defense. Now, the Rams are middle of the road in, in terms of points per game this year. Everyone's kind of suggested that they've fallen off a little bit. Um, I believe Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator. Uh, so everyone's saying, oh, the Rams, not, not, not that good, not great. You also should look that they've also played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals, the Seattle Seahawks. Like, they've, they've played some really good teams Right. And so that's why, you know, maybe they've given up a couple more passing yards than they should have. The Giants have played, you know, the Broncos. The Giants have played the Washington football team, the Atlanta Falcons, not not teams that you necessarily recognize or, or, yeah, world beaters here. Um, it, clearly, us talking about the Giants defense and, and our challenges there and, and trying to solve that puzzle, it, it points to the Giants having to manufacture not just like 14 points to be in the game, not just like 17. But the Giants have to get into like, you know, the high 20s, you know, low 30s to even have a shot at winning this game. And so like just being able to run the ball and, and effectively pick up a first down and kill the clock and like shortening the game, I don't think is going to work. We saw that it didn't work against Dallas because Dallas has the quick hitting home run plays, much like the Rams do. They feel like a very similar team. The Giants are going to have to get ultra creative and and it could be a whole host of things. I mean, that a lot of the joking going on by players is is about Kadarius Tony's ability with the ball in his hands. And mm-hmm. they said during one of the prior to one of the preseason games, I saw him spin at 70 yards down the field. He has a former quarterback uh, play in his past. He, you know, they clearly tried to get him the ball out in space you know, with options to throw it previously. They've also put him in the Wildcat for a couple of plays, you know, in the, in the Cowboys game. So I, I honestly think you're going to have to get ultra creative to get the ball into Kadarius Tony's hands. And I think it's going to be all of the above that I mentioned. I would be shocked if he doesn't get 12 touches in this game somehow, some way, like he has to get the ball as many times as humanly possible, as quickly as possible. Right. Yeah, no, no, I think for sure. No, 100%. And you know what's a funny little footnote is when we talk about examining, not not to belabor it, but, oh, is Jason Garrett creative enough? You know, is he doing enough dynamic things? Well, sometimes it is a byproduct of personnel, right? All of a sudden, when he has Kadarius Tony out there on the field, it is Wildcat. Is it, it is him taking a snap from shotgun and scooting for eight yards inside the red zone, right? Like, personnel does dictate your ability to be more creative. I wouldn't be shocked if we get a, a, an actual pass from Kadarius Tony. We've seen a couple of attempts to set it up and he hasn't pulled the trigger yet. I wouldn't be shocked if you see that of him in the backfield. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if you see him alongside Daniel Jones in the backfield. However, they're going to end up using him, you know, whether or not they're going to give him a handful of straight carries, but I think the threat will be there. And then you talk about 
who else is going to be there in the wide receiving core as long as you got to probably have a Shepard or a Darius Slayton there to mix in with John Ross and, and Collins and say, okay, there's enough dynamic uh, you know, weapons on the outside that moving Kadarius Tony around like that is actually effective. Because the only drawback here would be if you don't have Slayton, if you don't have Shepard, some of that dynamic creativity is diminished a little bit. Because by the way, now we're a couple of weeks in. You know, right now we're off a big performance from Kadarius Tony. Defenses get it now. They so now now you're talking about really watching and labeling him in the absence of Saquon Barkley as well. That's the most dangerous weapon. That's number one what we need to watch for in this game. So it'll be interesting to see the way the Rams prepare for that. And then how do the Giants react and take advantage of the fact that Kadarius Tony is a dangerous weapon, that all eyes may be focused on him. Um, because just as far as Devontae Booker, listen. North and South runner, you don't expect necessarily a lot of damage out of him. They used a little bit of, of a penny in this past game. I, I expect to maybe get just a, a handful of carries out of Brightwell be, just because it's a different dynamic. Like That's what I think they're going to do is like throw darts at the running board and see if something sticks on occasion. It'll just be interesting, man, because I don't know. You know, it's funny. We come out of that game, big performance from Tony, and, and no matter what, he's going to be able to create. But remember where the game was right remember what the what the script was like for the cowboys at that point you're up daniel jones goes out Bar you know you know you're gonna get there right a couple of sloppy plays a couple of turnovers let's clean that up we're gonna get out ahead of them we're gonna get this big lead we're going to win this game so you can afford to again do what the giants do on defense for different reasons and you know poorly but well, we get a little shell here. Let's just keep it all in front of us. Let's not let Kadarius Tony get an 85-yard touchdown on this drive right here on one play that keeps the Giants in the game. So it's hard, man. I think the Rams defense, Jalen Ramsey, as we know, right? We know what Donald is going to be doing up front. Like, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see. Big test for Kadarius Tony. I'm calling him a true number one wide receiver. This is a great test of that because if you are a true number one, that also means that you're basically matchup proof. The, the situation is primed for uh, the, the biggest challenge, I think, for the Giants. And, and this is going to be interesting to see how this develops is this is the perfect game without Saquon Barkley, where Daniel Jones is going to have to use his legs. Like he, he's going to have to give misdirection and get out into space. You're going to have to have the threat of him rolling out as he's pretending to hand the ball off to Kadarius Tony running around the edge. And so, like, it's this delicate balance of, like, you need his athleticism in this game because you have that north and south runner behind you. You can't you, – you have to have the perception that he can get out in space and make something happen. And so it's a really interesting situation coming off a concussion where him getting out into space before caused him to get injured. But really, it's going to be one of your best threats is having him out there running the ball because you don't have Galladay, you don't have Barkley, you don't have all the weapons we mentioned before. Yeah, and again, one of the last notes I'll make on it is, one, the injury piece of it. Boy, you know, you're going to be hard-pressed if you're Jason Garrett and Joe Judge to put Daniel Jones in harm's way like that. Like, I just, you know, that's almost an advantage to the Rams coming in of saying they're not going to cut this kid loose again and potentially have him be in harm, you know, harm's way. But the other double down there is Daniel Jones is not fantastic rolling out and throwing on the run. That's one of the kind of the problems with a facet of his game that's good having legs so when you roll out well now you can scamper even just stay, stay near the sidelines right non-contact little yards don't worry about the big ones in the middle of the field necessarily the problem is i think that what he has to now prove is 
can you roll out and flick that wrist on the run? He still does his full windup when he's out near the hashes. And, and the problem there is that means that the defense can kind of wait on you. Commit to running and we'll come for you. But until then, we're going to sit back. We're going to play you straight up like a passing quarterback. We're not you know, looking at you like a Josh Allen. I think that's the closest comp, right? But as we saw last week, Josh Allen is another level of athleticism at the quarterback position than Daniel Jones is. So that's the interesting part of it. I think, yes, you want to be suggesting the possibility of different things. And also, you. and listen, we talked about this before. You go into a game trying not to get hurt. That's how you get hurt. So we know you can't approach it with training wheels on. But I'd be really surprised if you see a draw play up the middle for Daniel Jones from the QB spot, right? Like they're going to find ways to try to protect him. I think him it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. I think if he's out there and he's cleared and he's ready to play, they're going to have Daniel Jones rush the ball. It, the, the, the I can't see is- it in the middle of the field. I just can't. I cannot see him. I, I cannot see you saying, you know, three-step drop and draw up the middle when you know Aaron Donald is just, Licking well, his mean, chops to lay wood. But the injury happened because Daniel Jones decided to lower the crown of his helmet and try to take two defenders on. And every other quarterback either slides or runs out of bounds. So it's right, but it's I'm saying but if you're in the middle of the field, you don't have a chance to make the choice of I'm gonna slide. Like if you if you're gonna run through the teeth of the defense to get to the second level, you don't know if you're gonna take the big hit or not until you get clear of that. That's why again, you can use his well, legs, but you have to get out in space where he can see the challenges approaching and make hopefully again go back to last week make the smarter choice right you see the double defender don't you don't have to try to take them on it's okay to live for the next down well adam uh, okay how about this we'll compromise i agree with you we shouldn't let aaron donald go one-on-one against daniel jones and have daniel jones think that he can lower his helmet and and take him on down the middle of the field so if that's what you were concerned about jason garrett's play calling being i am totally with you let's eliminate that one we can put that one off to the side Maybe just put that one in pencil and then erase it really quick from the playbook. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. Rolling him out in space, letting him make decisions, but making smarter decisions when it comes to when you run and, and when you get down and when you get out of bounds is really what I think it's about. But yes, u- yeah. u- ultimately, I think you and I both feel the same. With the defense struggling the way that it, it is, with going up against an offense, Having all these injuries on our offense and knowing the capabilities of their defense, defense, especially around some of their all-pro players like you know Donald and Ramsey and others, it, it's tough thinking about what's going to happen, you know, at at the stadium on Sunday. No, you got to listen. Seven and a half home underdogs coming into this one right now. I don't know if the lines moved at all. You can confirm. No, that for it, me. it it started it started at ten and yeah, then it's it, come down right. It's come down to nine and a half on the news that Jones will will potentially play. And, and okay, so it danced around a little bit. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So, but, but point being, you're a near 10 point dog at home. We know how that works. It's three points when you're at home. So, it's even worse if you were on a neutral site, even worse if you were on the road um, playing the Rams in LA. To your point, you know, until the defense surprises us and makes some plays and really impacts the game, we can't set expectations on that side of the ball. So, unfortunately, we're left to look at the offensive side with everything that they've been dealing with from an injury standpoint and say, you have to carry the day. And then if if all of a sudden something clicks for the defense and they get some pressure on Safford, great. But until that happens, we cannot go into these matchups thinking that the defense is all of a sudden going to do something that would be this year very out of character. So nine and a half, man. When, when you look at this game, let's let's do the dirty dance here. The Giants are one and four. I had said, you know, if by some way they could have beaten Dallas or whatever and stayed healthy, you know, if you get if you were two and four coming out of six games. Given the way the season started, you'd still 
try to find a silver lining. Is there any world where you think that the Giants can pull this uh, this upset off at home? And then what's your uh, what's your call, man? Give me, uh, give, me the, give me the dirty deed. I I mean I know I know you I know there's no way you're calling for a Giants victory as a matter of fact because you haven't you didn't even dip your toes in those waters early in the season before we kind of got a bigger sample size. Yeah, I mean um, it, it's tough. I I honestly don't see the question is can the Giants win this in a low scoring game? And our defense has that's not shown. Well, no, uh, that's question one. Can we keep this a low-scoring game? And the Giants can win. No. Our defense has proven that, that they can do that. So why would they, why would that be any different against a top ten offense? And then the second thing is, do the Giants have the personnel and the ability to outscore their opponent and and win a game in the thirties? The Giants haven't done that yet so far this year. So the two scenarios that I see as the only likely outcomes are things that we haven't seen or don't feel confident in the Giants doing. And so because of that, it, you know, Daniel Jones coming off an injury, no Galladay, no Barkley. The line is still, uh, you know, a, a, an issue. We don't know if Slayton and Shepard are going to be out there. To me, it, it does feel like a, a very tough day at MetLife Stadium. Right now I have the Rams 31 and I had the Giants at 13. I just don't, I just don't know how to close that gap when our offense is, is struggling to manufacture points with injuries and our defense hasn't given you very much to look forward to. Yeah, and you had that kind of similar line, I think, going into the Dallas game, right? I, I was I was more optimistic about offensively, and I, I would love to go back to it and just get everybody healthy out there. And doesn't mean I, you know, you saw the way the game looked. The Giants were going to lose that one, but, you know, maybe it would have been 30 points instead of 20 points, right? Who, who knows what it could have looked like or the pick six from Glennon, right? So there there's some things there where you just say there's some window dressing, both positive and negative on either side of it there. Uh, but you're right, though, man. It, it's a home game. It's a difficult one. Here's the deal. Um, you know, do I think that the Giants are capable of, of scoring in the 20s against the Rams? Yeah, I do. Like, I think that there's enough dynamic things there. I'd love to see a Shepard, obviously, back in the fold here. And Daniel Jones, 100% healthy. I, I think this offense is showing you they're dynamic enough to be able to put up some points against good defenses. Um, I, I just don't have any faith on the defensive side of the ball. That being the case, though, as I very clearly indicated to you a couple of weeks ago, there's no reason for me to stop picking the Giants. That's what I, I said. If the season's going off the rails, why would I ever stop picking the Giants just to completely ignore the statement I'm making right now and declare omniscient, you know, predictability here should they pull the upset? So they're at home. They're uh, nine and a half point dogs. And I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to call for the win, Andy. I'm going to call for a beautiful uh, 31, 27 New York football Giants victory. How do, how do you like that? Take them on the money line, friends. No shame. You, you said that one with conviction. You were like, 31, <laughs> how can they do this? 27. So, so got to account for some field goals, right? You got to hold them to some field goals, maybe defensively. Got to throw a couple of those in there. Can't be all touchdowns. Four possessions for four scores for the Rams. No, 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 friends. You got to give them six or seven possessions in the mix there. The listeners figured out how the sausage is made because <laughs> they saw Adam in real time do the game simulation in his head. He's like, field goal, touchdown, field goal. Th- 31 to 27 and That's Adam how good the old computer works up here and Adam I think every giant fan would be ecstatic over the moon and feel really excited if that comes true and I think we're all hoping for it to come through we both are calling for 31 points I'm just saying the, I think it's going to be the Rams you're saying that it's going to be <laughs> our New York football Giants oh at the end of the day friends we will of course be back in to recap this one at the start of next week we listen 
Find the silver linings. Look for some of the young players. Matt Pert on the offensive side, maybe a Quincy Roach on the defensive side, right? Listen, this is where you got to hang your hat in games like this, especially if it looks like the Rams are going to get out to a hot start early and maybe make this far less intriguing than even the Dallas game one appeared at the beginning. But, but here's a couple of little things to t- pick up and put in your pocket, Andy, if I could. Uh, th- these are some people you, that may resonate with you. New York football giants, put it on the bulletin board in the locker room. Believe you can, and you're halfway there. That's Theodore Roosevelt, Andy. And let me double down for you. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. Walt Disney. You know what I mean? Wow. I thought What I thought you were going to say was, whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, we're living on a prayer. I thought we were going John Bon Jovi with that. But you brought it to good old Teddy Roosevelt, my friend. I am from New Jersey, and I have zero affection for Bon Jovi. We'll leave you on that hot note, friends. We'll be back in next week, breaking down the New York football giants victory. Follow us on social media, at one giant podcast, watch us on YouTube, one giant podcast, enjoy the podcast, wherever you get those needs fulfilled. And as ever consistently, Andy Makowitz would want, need and demand you, the people know as always, let's go big blue.